Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Fantasy Freaks and Geeks, what's going on? James Go here with you. You're listening to the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. It's a small room today. I tell you what, if you love the Wiz Kid from Wisconsin, you're going to love this episode. If you don't like Alex Gilhar, you could probably just turn this back. Same goes for you. Yeah, well, we're, uh, we're in They're the stuck b- with me always. We're in the midst of the NFL media there's a summit, so like a lot of big Summits. wigs, yes. a lot of people from New York are There's out a here. A lot of shadowy league figures there. A lot of shadowy league figures. Tons. So Marcus Grant and Adam Rank, being uh, of their high status in oh this company, God. are are embroiled over there in meetings and breakout sessions and all these breakout talks. Sessions. Apparently, that was the thing. I I went to I did not go to the <laughs> summit yesterday, the breakout first part, sessions. but I went to the dinner, the free dinner. Oh yeah, 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 so yeah. How was that? It was fine. Yeah, it was nice because it's at the uh, the bungalow in Santa Monica where they right. hold our holiday party or they've held it a couple years in a row but it was nice because there weren't like 1500 people crammed into that small venue yeah uh there were only like a couple hundred so a lot more space to breathe some sitting room there you go good time i think was had by all good times had by all it's just me and alex kelharn of course the first lady behind the glass we've got Producer Christina. Who else just showed up? up there? Who was that back there? Wait, is that Claybon? Is that Patrick Claybon? I told him he should come up and join in the show since hey, we pal. don't have anybody else. And he makes a, a – Why don't you jump in? Come on in. He makes a, a you know an immediate entrance as the show I starts. It. I love it. Patrick Claybon right, joining us Join here. us here. Take a uh, – For the fantasy listeners out what there. What is he on? This, uh, Hopefully they know Claybon. Dedicated uh, listeners to the, uh, to the fantasy podcast. Four. You know, no, actually, I'll Got tell it. you this. This is the first time we've had the great Patrick Claybon. On the fantasy, it, which is why when when I looked at my phone and saw an invitation from Alex Gelhar, <laughs> I replied, "Oh snap!" Exclamation! Oh point, snap! Here we go! And uh, ran. This is great. I love it. I, I didn't even take my so makeup wait, off or anything. Also, yeah. bigger yeah. question: Does this complete your like NFL media podcast circuit? Because I know you've um, been on Damashek show. On I have on the hit NFL game theory and money. Okay, oh, it okay. has come on since my. My attempt. Got it. At got it. The, the whole gamut happened. Well, you're close. You got to be. That, you got to have like the I'm closest one to the, away to the EGOT of uh, yes. NFL media podcasts. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what it would be. It would be the. Well, you'd have like fantasy def- around the NFL, <laughs> Damashek, and then game theory. We can. 
We can yes. we can work that into something. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it, it out. It requires thinking. Uh, the great Patrick Claybon, if you don't know his work, get to know his work. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, he is a terrific anchor and host here uh, for NFL Network. Um, uh, this is a little bit of a surprise. I'm, I'm happy that you're in here, pal. I, I'm, I'm happy that, that you guys great. are. Uh, well, I was. I poked my head in, and I'm like, oh, they've already started. This is. This is <laughs> no, no, we just fired it up. This uh, show's very loose, oh as you can God. tell. Loosey-goosey. Especially when it's just going to be James and me. But we do have some good news, hell? and we got a mock draft. We got a little mock draft to go. In progress still, you know we'll I mean? talk about. Yeah, exactly. What the hell? Why not? <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll, we've got a great show in front of us here today. We're going to be talking about uh, Green Bay ad nauseum, um, not just because Alex Gelhar is here, but you know, there's some interesting news out of there. Uh, got some interesting updates in Oakland as well. Uh, we, as Alex Gelhar did mention, we have a 10-team PPR mock draft that we are still currently uh, doing. It's a slow draft through email, but um, one of the major things that you can kind of take away here, will 0RB work better in a 10-teamer? Um, and we'll talk about some of our picks and some surprise uh, values that we've got later on in the draft as well. We'll close out your show with a round of daily daps, but we start your show as we always do with your top fantasy headlines. Oh my God, the news! We really do have breaking news. Hey, did you guys know that the Eagles, the <laughs> Patriots, are playing in the Super Bowl? That is breaking news. Breaking news. News. <laughs> All right, we're going to start in Green Bay, where head coach Mike McCarthy all but assured reporters that the Packers will employ a running back by committee approach with not just Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, but also incorporating Ty Montgomery as well barf aaron jones has a mid 90s adp ty montgomery has an adp after 120 just depending on where you go i mean look he's going to go undrafted in a lot of places there's going to be some wide variance especially that late in the draft ty montgomery uh going to be going after pick 120 generally in most fantasy leagues so we go to the green bay homer himself alex gellhart uh, Aaron Jones, mid-90s ADP, Ty Montgomery, 120-plus. Who are you going with here? The ones I want to target are Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I think okay. both rookies showed themselves very well last year, and they're natural running backs. They haven't converted positions. Uh, Ty Montgomery almost feels like a man without a home here a little bit. Okay. Is he going to play running back? Is he going to slide out to receiver? Are they just going to use him like a souped-up theoretic like we've talked about? I don't know. I think all of these guys will probably merit being drafted, especially now that they've claimed it's going to be a full-fledged committee to yeah. start. Uh, so they'll all have some sort of value once we see how the pecking order shakes up. But you can't – I mean, the uh, the hype of reaching for Aaron Jones in, like, the sixth, seventh round, I feel like we got to scale back that's on that what, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I mean, that's what, I think that's kind of where we're, we're directing this conversation, right, is because Aaron Jones, I think, you know, we saw him be very explosive, an explosive running back last year, certainly more explosive than Jamal Williams. I think a lot of fantasy folks were extremely excited about what Aaron Jones could potentially bring to the table, but he's got some extra hurdles now uh, with uh, with Ty Montgomery working into the mix. And we know Jamal Williams was actually the starter before Aaron Jones, and you know he's going to get some work as well. Patrick Claybon, your thoughts on that? My reaction, yeah. seeing 120 next to Ty Montgomery, jumps out to me. That's what I'm saying. As Because I see Ty Montgomery, I see a name. And you guys come from a perspective of good, decent people operating within, you know, morals that a person should have okay when i see this i think about that hypothetical person who is bad okay and they see ty montgomery with yeah. an adp of 120 plus and they're yeah. thinking oh i can try to take advantage of somebody with this name i see and i can get him late yeah and so there's there's value based on that because bad people exist <laughs> <laughs> 
not necessarily <laughs> because there's actual value in the player who who would kind of scare me. Here, here's here's honest. the thing. I mean, f- I know f- I know football moves fast, uh, and your football life, I mean, just is like is like that. But at this time last year, were we not? Hyping the hell out of Ty Montgomery as well. I mean, it's just one year removed. You know what I'm saying? And I think we've seen enough on tape as well, where we're saying, "Hey, Ty Montgomery's." Well, if he gets if he gets the lead back role, well, he, he's a a pretty good. It was they were option. handing him the lead back role. Absolutely, last year. they Absolutely. had taken two day three running backs. They had spent the whole offseason, like, tooling everything for Ty Montgomery. And as we saw, I think he, he handled, like, 80-plus percent of the backfield touches. That's he got like all of the touches. That is, that's a Crazy. massive number. Like, right. a lot of, quote-unquote, featured backs will only see, like, 60-plus-ish 60 60. Right. Uh, percentage of the backfield touches. And Montgomery was handling, like, 80, 88. So he was the guy. That's That generated the hype for it. And sure. it bore out in fantasy when he was – he wasn't very efficient. He no. was getting like 3.1 yards per pop. Right. But guess what? You get in the end zone twice a game. That's right. You're going to rack up fantasy points. But why? I guess what I'm saying is, how, I mean, can we really forget that specter so quickly? It's not two years removed. I mean, literally one year removed from Ty Montgomery being the lead guy. That's kind of where I'm intrigued by his current ADP. Because, again, you're going to get this guy, I mean, as a throwaway pick. I mean, you're getting this guy 13th round, 14th round. Yeah, I mean, it, that's certainly why I think he should be drafted. But uh, he's got to go low on the lower end. Because of the three guys we saw, as we said, Jones was the most explosive. Williams was the most consistent. He he stayed healthy. He proved he could grind it out with a heavy workload. And when he was given a heavy workload, he performed in fantasy. Actually, he didn't was, he get hurt? That's how Aaron Jones got stepped into the – No, I think Aaron Jones was just better than him at that point. They, they He had kind of jumped him. And they were they were seeing more from him. But I will say, when I had tweeted out this article earlier in the week, I also yeah. added that it's worth noting that if you read the full interview with yeah. McCarthy, he does say, and I quote, "If one of them would emerge as that full time guy, then you have to have that ability to adjust to that." You know, so I think they they're smart in saying it's a committee right now. We're going to use all these guys. They're yeah. talented. They're versatile. They each have different areas where they're the best at. But they're not going to turn away if Jones comes back in say, and is ripping off, like, putting up 120 yards like he did in two of the three games he got to start, I don't think they're going to suddenly be like, nope, time on, get back in there. Yeah. The, the, I mean, are we sure about that, though? The, I mean, official, sure about that? the official announcement of the committee, Yes. Uh, I'm, there's, there's grains of salt that I'm accepting. Yes. That, okay. Right? Because uh, I feel like true. this is That's true. This is want level time of year, and you want players to have really high want levels. And so in order to make them try harder, you say, hey. this is a committee. Yes. Because you guys are going to compete. <laughs> We're going to preach competition. And somehow you're going to be a better football player than if you weren't competing. I mean, that being said, though, I mean, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are, are late round guys. They, the Green Bay Packers have invested no capital, no money, really, into either one of these guys. So it's not like, you know, I think that's kind of where – their second-year, fourth- and fifth-round picks. That's think, what I'm saying. So. And, and so, to me, when I hear Coach speak, of course I approach it with, uh, you know, a, a, a curious mind, uh, a little bit of a skeptical mind, but sometimes it does add up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, this feels like that one time where it kind of sort of adds up. i got to be honest with you, man. I'm not interested at all in Jamal Williams. And, and Why I not? Just, I, He's a bit of a plotter to me. It just it doesn't seem like of that group he's the guy that's going to emerge. He seems like a guy that could be a banger. Uh, maybe around the goal line you want to get him the rock or whatever it might be. But I don't know. Of, the, of that trio, I just 
He was a good pass. He was percent interesting. He was a good pass catcher last year too. And the 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 easiest path for him to being the lead back is he was the best pass, pass protector. Yeah, yeah. And in yeah, Green Bay, as in most cases, it's true. You, you got to keep the the back of the jersey of the quarterback clean. That's true. But Ty Montgomery, I thought did a pretty good job. He was uh, all right in the first few weeks of the season, protecting twelve as well. All right, let's go to Oakland. Potentially terrible news here coming down the pipe for Martavis Bryant. Michael Gelkin, who writes for the Las Vegas Review Journal, he used to write for the San Diego Union Tribune, but uh, now writes for the LV Review Journal, reporting the Raiders fear Martavis could be facing yet another drug-related suspension from the NFL. Any substance abuse violation would cost Martavis at least a year. Again, nothing is confirmed as of yet, but Gelkin, a pretty well-sourced reporter, man. So when we know more, we'll chat fantasy, but as of now, not much to say, I think, other than Martavis probably going to tumble in drafts here if he gets drafted at all. It's, it's all about your appetite for risk. But uh, I tell you what, not looking great for Martavis Bryant. And there was also reports that he, he wasn't practicing as well, uh, I guess, with the, with the team kind of fearing that a suspension might be coming down. So, I don't know. Again, just something to keep an eye on. We'll, I mean, hell, news might break uh, by the time you hear this, but it's just something to, to kind of keep in mind because, again, Martavis Bryant there in Oakland, it seems like he's got a pretty clear path to, to getting targets or, or whatever it might be. A, a great player, I think, in best ball leagues um, and a high touchdown upside as well. But as of right now, I don't know if he's draftable. All right, Tyrod Taylor is the starting quarterback as of this moment in Cleveland. Early reports is that Baker Mayfield isn't close yet. Tyrod, a sneaky fantasy quarterback option with all of those weapons in Cleveland? He was a sneaky fantasy quarterback option in Buffalo when he had no weapons other than LaShawn McCoy. Now you give him uh, an all-star cast around him. Honestly, you've got Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, like one of the most consistent receivers we've had uh, at just like moving the chains, getting production in the past few years. Freak of nature, Josh Gordon, like on, on the path for a new contract athletic freak David Njoku Mm -hmm. you got that great backfield of uh Duke Johnson Carlos Hyde Nick Chubb like it's great I mean Tyrod's gonna be he's going super late in drafts as well but he's being drafted at all and he also has the running upside which is is great to chase for fantasy I'm excited for the Browns (laughs) it's a good feeling right (laughs) I'm excited for hard knocks this year speaking of the Browns like a lot of good storylines to watch there oh absolutely no doubt uh Patrick I want to get your thoughts on Cleveland here I I think a lot of folks are pretty excited about what the Browns might bring to the table in 2018 what are your thoughts on and exactly why are you so excited about Cleveland this year the exact things that you guys just mentioned right so previously Josh Gordon was just this idea it it was (laughs) like this abstract like Josh Gordon kind of exists maybe well then he got back on the football field and he was good at playing football and it was so rare for us to see Browns excelling at that. And what they've done, I'm not exactly sold on the fact that Greg Williams' defense, this is going to be a huge success. But I know personnel-wise, the players that I want to watch, because that's that's where I do my football thing. I've never had a team that that I'm going to watch. I just want to see guys who are good playing football good. Right. uh, Pardon the simplistic nature of that. Oh, it's true. They didn't have a lot of that. Now they have that, so I want to watch it. And generally, I, 
the teams we want to watch are good. Yeah, they've got it in spades. Like I mentioned, there's there's depth at, at almost there. every position. They have like stability under quarterback. Like Tyra Taylor was brought, helped bring the Bills to 100%. the playoffs last last year. Like he is not. Which is insane. You're not gonna put Tyrod Taylor like in your top five echelon of quarterbacks. He doesn't have like the arm or like that the acumen of some of those other guys. But he's a very capable quarterback. And now you put him in an offense with so many playmakers, like. It, I'm excited to watch their offense, too. And I'm going to throw out an unfounded scientific theory that's not scientific. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> we saw the Jags have fantasy success from their quarterback yeah. that eventually led to, once they got the star power and the names together on defense, to actual football success. What if, what if? hypothetically, okay. fantasy success from the Browns offense on the part of Tyrod, yeah. Josh Gordon, right. Duke Johnson, somehow leads to a hypothetical <laughs> world where the Browns are contending here in a fun. couple of years. That would be fun. Contending or just, I mean, I don't know. Decent. Just, let's just play it. Let's get, just say watchable. Yeah. Right. Like, let, let's start with just decent. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, yeah. You know, why, why, decent. I've been up too long. Is that, they could be contending. contending is, they could be contending to make the playoffs. Okay, like, let's have okay, them play okay, meaningful we, games we, in December. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. October. October. <laughs> That's We're right. rooting for you, Browns. That's right. But, no, I think Tyrod's a great case. And the rest of those fantasy options, well, it's one of those cases where what's the analogy we've used in the past? You want the, like, oh, pancakes, not the syrup, oh, or vice geez. versa. Yes. Uh, I mean, well, because Jarvis Landry, fantastic player. Them, th- them, them shots of syrup. Right, the shots of syrup. <laughs> uh, the backfield, how is that workload split going to be? Duke Johnson is, I think, over no the last, clue. like, three years, like, second in targets and receptions right. among running backs. They but, gave like, Carlos Hyde a decent contract. They gave Carlos Hyde a decent contract, then they went and drafted Nick Chubb. How are right. those two going to split it up? No I clue. mean, you saw in our mock draft we'll get to later, both of those guys went way late right? because nobody knows how that backfield's going to get split up. And then the Gordon-Landry split as well. Like, they both can't go get 150 targets. So there are question marks in that regard, but it all is great for Tyrod. I mean, that that's the point I think that I'd like to make is the fact that, look, if you're, if you're going to – when you hit your draft, Tyrod's going to be going so late. And you are potentially, at least for the first month of the season, going to be getting a top 10-ish fantasy quarterback, potentially anyways, right? And this guy's going undrafted in some places. To me... That's a good point. I had kind of just, like, Tyrod had fallen into the back of my mind a little bit among yeah. quarterbacks, but you're absolutely right. Like, I'm going to pull up their schedule real quick, see who they got to start. They have a little season. bit of a tougher schedule early on. Steelers at Saints, Jets at Raiders... Ravens, Chargers. There's there's a couple good defenses there in that first. I mean, uh, even six in the weeks. first, even in the first couple of weeks. I mean, because you you know, I think historically you look at the Saints and say, oh, they're no good. But man, I tell you what, their defense is pretty good. Oh my God, yeah, they're they're pretty good. Um, and it might be the one thing I like about them playing the Saints is that it might be a little bit more of a high, high scoring high, game. You know what I'm right, saying? I was just gonna say, yeah, if yeah, the Saints yeah. get out to a big lead, Tyrod's right, right. gonna have to pass a lot. You know what I mean? So I don't know, man. Same I, goes with the Steelers. I, I mean, when I look at when I look at Tyrod Taylor and um, and again just going undrafted in some in some mocks, I, I start getting excited. Especially if I'm thinking I'm going to take a, a, a quarterback super 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 late in my draft. If he's one of those guys that you want to wait on, I, I think that's a great option uh, to have. Because again, if you wait until the double digit rounds, Tyrod Taylor's going to be there, which I love. I absolutely love it. Absolutely. All right, let's go to Indianapolis. Eric Ebron is making noise for the Colts. Why are you laughing? Just because we heard this, is, this story a million times. No, this this Eric is like a guttural scream. <laughs> Eric, Eric, <gasps> Eric Ebron has gotten more news coverage in the last month than I think he did the last like two years prior when he was a prominent member of the Lions' offense. It's just funny because Eric, it's it, this is I, I I guarantee you we could find this story every single year that he's been in the league. 
Eric Ebron making some noise uh, in the offseason. But this time he's making noise for the Colts. Stephen Holder of the Indy Stars says, quote, Ebron has been among the more impressive Colts this offseason. And he goes on to say Ebron has lined up everywhere in Frank Reich's offense except running back, which I don't know. I, I mean, it, it is kind of – it's easy to scoff at it and say, well, it's, you know, it's Eric Ebron. That being said, I, I mean, I look at the, you know, the, the team makeup of the Colts. They've got T.Y. Hilton and – Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle. Okay. I mean, what, I mean what are we talking about here? Womp. I mean, Ryan Grant, I guess they signed or whatever. My, I mean, Eric Ebron, to me at least, if they in, – in, we know – look, Frank Reich may very well run out two tight end sets a lot next year. And if he does that and we see Eric Ebron slip out into the slot or, you know, if he's going to be a flanker or whatever it might be, I don't, I, I'm at least intrigued. He's an athletic freak. We know that. I'm just worried about his target share. I mean, we I know we said there aren't a ton of guys there right now, but right? if Jack if Jack Doyle is the more traditional inline tight end who's on the field a lot more often, they're using Eric Ebron like they did with Trey Burton. Uh, Trey Burton only got 31 targets all of last year. Granted, the Eagles had a little more depth at wide receiver and running back yeah, than to, the Colts, to say yeah. the least. Right, <laughs> just just a bit, just a bit. Right. Uh, but you know that it it would all depend on how they shake it up. I think I'm certainly curious in Ebron. He's somebody to maybe take super late if you because right now in drafts I don't know if you've noticed this James if you pass on one of those elite like production wise tight ends you know your uh your Kelsey Gronk Ertz or even like a Jimmy Graham or Greg Olson Delaney Walker kind of guys the the you fall off a cliff in like reliability from your tight end position you fall into the chasing upside of like Injoku or George Kittle you fall into hoping Tyler Eifert and Jordan Reed are healthy, or you're taking a shot on these committee tight ends like Cameron Brait, O.J. Howard, or Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron. So I, I think it's certainly possible. Eric Ebron was steadily improving with the Lions. He will never be able to make that up in the eyes of their fans because obviously all they see is Odell Beckham was drafted after Eric Ebron, and they make that sort of fallacy, uh, you know, putting the two players together there in right. their minds. But there's certainly there's certainly a possibility, but it's not one I'm willing to chase in anything other than like the 15th round. The situation, as we mentioned, the the offense in Indianapolis or or the lack thereof, as far as names, it would seem like that would lead me to believe that, well, just somebody's got to do something, right? You're, yeah, you're poking the offense with a stick. <laughs> Why not Eric Ebron? <laughs> and and that goes back to my really flawed. <clears throat> fantasy value theory about okay. bad people <laughs> and names. I'm not naming any particular why, bad people. Why must these we, people be bad? They're, just, they're out there. And it's science, James. Duh. And they're just, they're not good people. Why, and they make bad chasing, trades in fantasy. Chasing value, that's not bad. Why is that bad? It's not necessarily bad, but the the reason that the value <clears> is there maybe you're saying is because they're bad people. It's like stealing, and stealing is bad. It depends on who you steal from. If we were if we were only using bad trades to take okay. advantage of bad fantasy people, okay. like a, a, a Robin Hood movie. kind yeah, of situation, a Robin Hood, yeah, yeah, okay. Then then that's then that's you know great. Uh, the perhaps the simplest explanation for why Eric Ebron could be valuable in fantasy this year is right. the age old uh, football coaching acumen theory of uh, uh, just throw it to your good players. Oh, just throw it to your good players. But he would be amongst the best players on the Colts offense right now. I hesitate. Top three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, well, who else would we put above him? I, I don't know. <laughs> Left-handed luck. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> um, I, you know, you bring up Andrew Luck, uh, and you brought up this stat, I think it was last week, when mm-hmm. Andrew Luck was last healthy, uh, fully healthy, and when he had that monster season uh, back in 2014. Oh, yeah, when he threw to Kobe Fleener and Dwayne Allen a That's lot. That's exactly right. Kobe Fleener had eight touchdowns. Dwayne Allen had eight touchdowns. Shake weight. <laughs> Shake weight. <laughs> oh, one of my all-time favorite vines, R.I.P. Vine. Uh, R.I.P. Vine. But it, it reminds me that if Andrew Luck is going to be the guy – uh, and coming from the system that he came from in Stanford as well, where he utilized a lot of tight ends, uh, throwing to the tight end quite a bit as well. And we've seen that throughout his young career uh, thus far in the NFL is the fact that Andrew Luck likes to rely on his tight ends. I will say this too. Uh, last year in Philadelphia, um, the 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, yeah. two wide receivers, was the second most run personnel by the Eagles, 229 plays. However, they ran 11 personnel on almost 700 plays. Mm. So big, big gap there. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the question is, let's say they run 11 uh, in Indianapolis. Who's your three wide receivers? It's hey, maybe wide. Eric Ebron. Likes <laughs> wide receiver. No, that's what I'm saying. It might saying. legitimately have to be. He I may mean, be in the slot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, I think he might. He might be the flanker. I think it might be Ryan Grant in the slot. And then just, you know, they're going to they're going to show double tight end set. And then you might see Eric Ebron flash out. Let me real quick position. go to next gen stats and look at uh, Eric Ebron's lineup percentages okay. before we change topics. I mean, we're spending a lot of time on Eric Ebron. I know. But I, no, I like it. Why not dive in? It's deep. like, hey, I went to I went to the fantasy live pod and it was almost exclusively Eric. Eric Ebron. Ebron talk. <laughs> uh, so we're talking Eric Ebron and Ty Montgomery. I last year for Come the on. for the Lions, he yeah. lined up out wide on 13 percent of his snaps, 65 times in the slot. Actually, was the most where he lined up. 279 snaps, 54 percent. You'll get it in tight, 31 percent. That's not bad. So That's he's he's bad. versatile. They could move him around a lot. Crack the code. Yeah. There, you go. there we go. Let's I'm just saying. He's shooting up. I'm just saying. Hey, we'll stay with the Colts. This from Zach Kiefer, also from the Indy Star, regarding rookie running back. I got to get a pronunciation guide on this guy. Nah- I, think I think it's Neheim. Neheim it? Hines? I've been saying Naheem. So. Naheem? I forget. I, no, I, I, I'm easily, hold on, easily let's look. be wrong. Um, <laughs> Naheem, whatever. Hines, the rookie running back from North Carolina State. How about that? Uh, quote, he plays almost positionless. This 5'9", 198-pound offensive Swiss Army knife dripping in speed. Trope alert. And versatility. Dripping. And most of all. We're going to call him Position X. Potential. I love it. Uh, Hefty praise, certainly, for the running back out of North Carolina State. I'll ask you guys this. Is he more of a gadget weapon or is he worth a flyer in fantasy? Marlon Mack. The presumed starter, maybe, possibly, we're not exactly sure, but we think he might be. Mac has an ADP in the 80s in most leagues. Naheem Hines. I think it is Naheem. I think you're right. Naheem Hines with right? an ADP undrafted. Yeah. Naheem. 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 The, the pronunciation we have in his draft player bio is N-I-E-H-E-E-M. So we know the heme. We know the heme. I think it's Naheem. 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 That would make the most sense. Okay. We'll go with Naheem. Naheem. We have right. achieved consensus. Well done, everybody. Lots of Eric <laughs> Ebron talk, and we deduced how to pronounce uh, Naheem Hines' <laughs> name. It would be tough for me to, to say <laughs> Naheem or Naheem uh-huh. over Marlon Mack right. if they can't even give him a position. Well, he's he's positionless and dripping with talent. But I do like that talent and speed are both liquid <laughs> that, that can be dripped. 
Could it be in injected excess? into <laughs> yeah, like veins or like, bones, like Wolverine style? About the Avendrago uh, Rocky montage <laughs> in Rocky Four, and there was that liquid that left the syringe, <laughs> right? And we were left to imply that that was a PED, maybe, um, maybe. Or maybe he's just rehydrating. Yeah. You ever think about or that? Or it could have been liquid potential and speed as oh, Naheem Hines I, I see it now. <laughs> I see it now. Maybe that's exactly what it is. Uh, but, again, is, is this guy more of a, a gadget player, not worth fan? I mean, maybe he has more real-life value than fantasy value. He's going undrafted in, in, in most in most drafts. I mean, I think he just got picked up by Marcus Grant. Norman. Yeah, he did. I, I've seen him. I've seen him go a lot in the the later double digit rounds. I certainly think there's there's value to picking up a back like Hines. Uh, also because much like the Packers, this backfield is unsettled. But if a healthy right. luck comes back, there are going to be fantasy points to be had in this backfield. And when we mentioned that magical like 2014 season with Luck, I think right. he threw six touchdowns to Ahmad Bradshaw. Interesting. And if they were going to target a back, it might be Hines, who's a, who's a very good receiver. You are correct. Um, Ahmad Bradshaw, six touchdowns receiving. Six receiving touchdowns for Ahmad. I mean, between the tight ends and running backs, I mean, good Lord. T.Y. Hilton had seven, and, and that was, I mean, it's just craziness here. Yeah. So there's, I think there's certainly value. This is a battle we need to watch during training camp, though, because that could be, you know, everything right now has been in shorts, so it's easy to have a positionless player when he's in shorts. Right. But once pads come on and they've installed more of the offense and things, let's see how they're using all these guys and adjust I, accordingly. You know, the crazy thing is, I don't think we're gonna, I don't think we're gonna be able to parse out anything regarding Naheem Himes, uh, even in training camp, because again, I mean, just look at his size, right? I mean, we're talking about a five nine, two hundred pound back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean. What are you going to really see? You know what I mean? He's not going to be – he's not going to compete with Marlon Mack for lead back duties. Uh, you might see him – You might. the only thing that you can maybe parse out is, is he going to be exclusively a, a third down passing option or – Will he be? Will I mean, Frank Wright get real creative? I don't think we need and to use him every. I don't think we need to pigeonhole him for his size. Actually, when you met, mentioned his his stature, it reminded me that was Ray Rice. Ray Rice was five eight two oh six per our website when he was uh, wrecking shop for the uh, the Ravens as a featured back. So Good point. I don't I don't think the size is inhibiting. I mean, he's not you know Tariq Cohen or like DeAnthony Thomas <laughs> levels of size. He's he's got some bulk to him. Well, I mean, again, I just. I would be hesitant. I mean, just having seen him play a little bit, I, I would just think he's not that guy. Yeah, know? and and his his tape at NC State would, right. wouldn't lead you to believe no. like, oh, this is this the, is your feature back that you're right. Have. Exactly, he's not going to be that you know early down between the tackles type dude. You know what I mean? He's got speed for days, obviously, but um, I mean, he, he, dripping he's with dripping with it. He's dripping. It. He, he has, has t- excess <laughs> speed. He needs to work on retaining that speed so right. it's not lost. Stop, stop getting it. it. Stop having it drip out of you. Right? <laughs> like, that's keep, a that, keep that speed inside. <laughs> uh, for the record, like he did have basket. home run runs or home run. He had touchdown runs of 83, 54, 50, and 48 yards last year. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, no, he's a he's a big time, you know, big play threat. Um, but again, I, I just be I, I just don't know if we're gonna see that kind of stuff in training camp or even in the pre. I mean, we may see something like that in the preseason, but still, I think he's still worth a dart throw. If players like this, you don't you don't fully appreciate what they do until the regular season actually happens. You know, probably, I mean? but that's why he's worth a dart throw. I mean, not a lot of people were uh, picking up Tariq Cohen in drafts last year, saying, but yeah. then he, when he, they got out on the field and that genie came out of the bottle that's of like, I mean. wow, this guy is, is talented. We got to give right, him the right, ball. Right. Then he had some very useful fantasy weeks. All right. So there you go. All right. Let's get into the mock draft that we're still in. It's a 10 team PPR mock. Um, 
Claybon's not in it, but you know what? It's nice to have Claybon in the room. Yeah, I'm just kinda, hanging out. I'm yeah, give us give us some of your your takes later of what players what you thought saying. went high or low. Right, that's exactly right. Uh, the fact that you know he, he is kind of you know outside of this bubble and uh, kind of looking at um, you know from afar. Uh, I'd love to get his take on how the draft is kind of unfolding as of right now. But um, I'll ask you this, Alex. There's a big difference, I think, in feel between a 12-team league and a 10-team league. It's hard not to love your team after five rounds in a 10-team league because, I mean, you're stacked at pretty much every position. Yeah, it it certainly happens. I mean, just by simple math of, uh, you know, in five rounds in, there's there's 10 extra players available in a 10-team league versus a 12-team league. So that's great news for all of your ADPs and where guys fall to you. But I think it's still informative because it does force you to make a lot more decisions as you're going through, I these, agree. through, through these drafts because more people you may not have expected are going to be available and it kind of really starts to dictate how your big board is looking. Like you, There were a couple people I, I circled in here that I thought may have gone a little high. You look at uh, Rank and Marcus were both picking towards the turn. You were as well. So yeah. Marcus picked 8th, Rank picked ninth, and you picked, picked tenth. Right. Uh, in the third round, Rank took Tyreek Hill as the wide receiver twelve, mm. and uh, that was the second wide receiver he took. He came back around and got Stephon Diggs, which I like there. But then, as the wide receiver fourteen, Marcus took Juju Smith-Schuster. Right. And it's interesting to me because Josh Gordon, Larry Fitzgerald, Doug Baldwin, Allen Robinson, uh, Marvin Jones, all those guys were still available when they opted for those other those other wide receivers, which just kind of Surprised me. I don't think I would have gone the same way. I'm not sure. I mean, I just feel <sighs> Juju Smith-Schuster is an interesting one to me, man. I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure what to think because uh, Martavis Bryant gone. They don't. They don't have that specter kind of looming over. And what Juju did in the back half of last year was amazing. Yeah, he I was, mean, it was, he was fantastic. Um, I think we had. Uh, and again, this is. It's never a good thing to to basically say. Well, he did this for seven games. Thereby, he's going to do this for sixteen. Dangerous game. I know it is. But that being said, uh, uh, and again, we'll go with the hashtag on pace alert. <laughs> but uh, but no, I mean, he was like on pace to like you know, if you extended it out to to sixteen games, we're talking about a guy that was on pace to do like fifteen hundred yards and ten touchdowns. I mean, he was unbelievable. Okay, now I get it. Now that being said, it, it's a small sample size, but I think the potential that potential at least looms uh, within the range of possibilities for Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't know if that's a range of possibilities for say Brandon Cooks or Larry Fitzgerald, uh, or 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 hell, even like a Golden Tate who went after him as well. You know what I mean? So I I agree it was a little bit early, but he wasn't gonna get him in the next round. You know what I'm saying? Most likely, yes, especially picking at the turn. So it's right. one of those cases, too, when you pick at the turn, you got to go get your guys. Right. And I just – I felt – because I was picking 10, and I made a bunch of terrible draft picks as well. But, I, but I mean, I always can – I feel like I can justify some of that by saying, look, I wouldn't get that player in the next round if I had to wait 20-whatever picks. You know what I mean? So that that's kind of – I don't know, man. So I, I hear what you're saying. Juju did go a little bit early, maybe five, six, seven picks early, but not going to come back to, to Marcus. It is one of those cases, too, where Juju did have a great year, but uh, he had two big games when Antonio Brown was out of the lineup late in the season. He went for 675 and a touch against Houston. Uh, I think that was – wasn't that that was the Christmas Day game uh, where we were in – treated to Tom Savage at quarterback. Uh, And then against Cleveland in the season finale, uh, he went nine for a buck 43 and a touchdown. Pretty good. So those are, those are two big games when Antonio Brown, who 
I don't know if you've noticed, but that guy gets a few targets when oh, he's, he's on the good. field. <laughs> he's pretty, good. Pretty, pretty good at the old football. Pretty good. Uh, so that that's a, that's a just something that concerns yeah. me. And also, we chased for years the number two receiver in Pittsburgh. Okay. When in reality, Martavis Bryant, it was always this is the year. He's yeah, not yeah, yeah. he's not suspended. He's gonna you know, or he's coming back from his suspension. This right. is the year. When in reality, the entirety of that time, the number two receiver has always been there, and his name is Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> that's a good point. So that like. Juju, as talented as he is, as good as he is, is still going to have to compete okay. with Bell and Brown, who are each going to get over 100 targets, uh, uh, most likely. Let's talk about zero RB, uh, and for those folks who are RB. Oh, yeah, controversy. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming back. Is it? I mean, I don't think it's – It's controversial. It's, it's, a, it's a draft strategy. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it, it – it, this is my thing. No matter where you pick in the draft, uh, if you're a seasoned drafter, and this is why doing mock drafts is so important. By the way, you can go to the website, nfl.com slash fantasyfootball, uh, to do your mock draft today. But um, the reason mock drafts are so important is because depending on where you pick, you might just you might be priced into doing zero RB. Um, and it's not it, – it, to me, zero RB has always been a, a particular strategy, um, not something that's preferred or, or – it's outdated or it, it, clearly, you know, the, the running back revival or whatever it was. Look, man, it, it, sometimes you just get priced into this uh, when you enter into your draft. Um, now, that being said, in a 10-teamer, Alex, you know, I, I feel as if zero RB is so much easier, though. It can be. I mean, I tried it uh, for our latest mock draft Monday. I did a 12-team PPR mock draft, and I was picking, I think, 10th. And I went in saying – I'm just going to try this. I'm going to take at least three wide receivers to start, maybe okay. four. We'll see how my ter- my team looks. Yeah, and it's certainly feasible. I think it makes more sense at the turn, though. Yeah, regardless of the size. I hundred percent agree. Because once those, once that truly elite tier of running backs are gone, the the, the like last of the workhorses, you know, yeah. your Lev Bell, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, David Johnson. If you're picking 10, 11, 12, again, you might be priced into zero RB. Right, well, it's, which is not a bad thing. I don't think you want to go at the top of the draft and do a zero RB and pass up one of those guys and Agreed. do Antonio Brown and then wait all the way until it comes back around to take another wide receiver. I agree. But the way the drafts unfold, it's certainly feasible because then, as you see, like you didn't, you kind, you kind of went zero RB. Uh, you at least rank and uh, Marcus all flirted with it. You yeah. guys all took a running back relatively early, but Jay Ajayi, Rashad Penny, like Jordan Howard, Darius Geis, those are all like decent running backs that are sitting around there in that fourth, fifth range. And even guys that went later, Lamar Miller, Alex Collins, yeah. um, you know, Mark Ingram maybe coming off a suspension, all good guys that you can get if you load up on wide receivers a little earlier. If you were to do three wide receivers off the top of your draft, I think you're right. Guys like Jay Ajayi, Alex Collins, these guys, they'll be there in the fourth, fifth, sixth round if you wanted to do it that way. And again, I don't know, just from mo- just from the mocks that I've done, you almost have to go wide receiver heavy if you're drafting on the back end of the first round. That's just, that's just kind of how I – I look at it, especially, I mean, if you look at my first couple picks, it was Odell Beckham and Michael Thomas. Saquon Barkley was already gone. Kareem Hunt was already gone. I mean, who am I going to, would I rather have Odell Beckham or Melvin Gordon? Give me Odell. Would I rather have Michael Thomas or Devontae Freeman? Give me Michael Thomas all day long, right? So it, it just, it just seems to me like that's how, you know, again, just know that going into your draft. If you're drafting on the back end of the first round, just know and be prepared uh, to take great wide receivers off the top and have a, a handful of, of running back value guys that you're going to take in the middle part of your draft as well. Let me tell you guys where I am right now. Yes. What do you got? I see zero RB 
as an ethos, right? It is it is a powerful sense of being. It's a sense of say, being. I am zero, zero running back. That that is what I am going to do. But now you guys are being all <laughs> rational, and you're talking about getting priced into zero RB okay. or like depending right. on where you are. So my question to you yes. is: If you're sitting there and looking at your draft, and David Johnson and Todd Gurley are gone, Le'Veon Bell and Zeke are gone, okay. and you say, "Well, you're I'm in gonna, the five hole. I'm going to pull out my zero RB card. Okay, here we go. And play it. Yes. Are you a true member of zero RB? <laughs> Or are you not just taking advantage of a situation and claiming to have zero RB when it's just it, it's just convenient to you? No, you, you take zero RB and you love it, I right? See. I see. Or, or have, have, have I been mistaken? I, it's, I, it's not a church. I, I think it may have been a church a few years ago think, when it first no, no. came in. I think he's right. I think, first of all, it is A, it is a church, and okay. people who believe in it are a little crazy about it. Okay. Okay, you're right. Uh, it, it has its disciples. Okay. Such, but most people, <laughs> most rational people, <laughs> view it as a strategy that you can utilize. Ah, as okay. Well, now so, that being said, that on the other end of the spectrum, there are people who say you must go RB RB off the top of your draft, no matter where you pick, you must go RB RB. Ooh, that could put you in a situation, couldn't it? That, to me, also is foolish. So, so you're saying there's a multitude of possibilities depending on the people in your league and the board in, at the time that you pick. Correct. I know. It's that's a, that's weird. It's a I radical know. idea. I know. That's crazy. It's a radical idea. I know. Uh, speaking of RB Heavy, though, yeah. uh, Graham, uh, Graham Barfield from FantasyGuru.com, okay. f- a friend of ours, uh, jumped in to help chip in with this box. So also, we can fill it. borderline genius level uh, fantasy. Board. Very good. Yes. But he picked fourth, and he went RB Heavy early. So I thought it would be interesting to look at like how his team shifted shook out as well. David he Johnson. Went, yep. Leonard Fournette in round two. LaShawn McCoy in round three. Right. Then he went Doug Baldwin, Zach Ertz, Chris Hogan, Deion Lewis, Pierre Garcon. So that's See? kind of looking at his start there. And I and I gotta be honest with you, I don't I don't particularly like his team. Mostly because Chris Hogan is your wide receiver too. Now you could say, well he he backloaded it with guys like Pierre Garcon, Robert Woods, um, and Deshaun Jackson late. But uh, again, I, I don't know I you know, to me, it's just I know you can always find wide receivers, but that's not a great wide receiver core if you're looking, you know, just in, again, in a 10 team league, that's a pretty bad wide receiver core. Well, Hogan was decent. Hogan was solid last year and he's got no Edelman the first four weeks of the season. OK, so he's he's the guy there after Gronk in that passing game. And two, I love me some Pierre Garcon this year. And people you know, love Pierre Garcon. What are you? What are you hating on Pierre Garcon? <laughs> not, that, not that I hate him. I just, I, I, I just, he's a guy to me. I, he's a jag. Nah, you're, he's, ja- you're jagging. I'm Pierre jagging Garcon. Pierre Garcon. I he, just think he's a guy. Disrespect. He has an podcast. accent, Mark. Like you have to open up a special keyboard just to write his name. <laughs> right. He's not just a guy. He's a, he's a jag to me. I don't know. He's just. He's got a good quarterback now. Yeah, he's uh, he back does. to full health. He's got a great offensive coordinator. The same one that led him to his career year when he finished as like the wide receiver five in PPR. How long ago was that? It's like three, four, five years ago. That's a long time. <laughs> I, I will say, looking, so long. At, looking at the way that this board shook out, I, yeah. I don't think if Graham would have known that Hogan would have had to bid his water receiver. I don't know if he would. Yeah, he, he wouldn't have taken this route because Landry goes right before that, and then Amari Cooper, uh, Alshon, three picks before that. Right. It didn't seem well, like. and when he took Ertz, if you look at that turn too, so he took Doug Baldwin. You're making you're making a good point, and then it went. Alan, I took Allen Robinson, and then Cynthia took Golden Tate, Devontae Parker, 
TJ took Demarius Thomas, and I took Marvin Jones. So five good wide receivers went right before him. Boom, 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 boom. So he's probably like, okay, I'll take Zach Ertz. And this is sometimes, you know, we're like, Zach Ertz in the fifth round, good pick all around. And you look at all of the wide receivers get pummeled too. It was all running backs after Zach Ertz. And and he's thinking to himself, bro, I already have three running backs. I can't potentially take another running back here. Four running back picks in my first five picks, that would be – that's tough. Yeah, and then, but then, yeah, like you were saying, Claybon, Jeffrey, Amari Cooper, Jarvis Landry, too, all went right before him. So, it got sometimes. Sometimes you can get hurt by the board in that way. So it's good to be and, aware of how things are going. And also, you know, he has the benefit of being a genius every day in everyday life. True. But then he's he's in this fantasy draft with a lot of people who are very a lot good of sharks at, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah fantasy yeah, drafts. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt. And it's one of those cases where that's why you test out something like this because now yeah. maybe maybe Graham looks at his team and he's very happy with it, or he's like. Maybe instead of LaShawn McCoy, I should have grabbed uh, Adam Thielen there. Right. Oh, no, Adam Thielen was gone. I should have grabbed maybe uh, Tyree Kill or Stephon Diggs or Josh Gordon and then could have you know had a little deeper little variance there. set yeah. up at wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll ask you about the, your team, Alex Gilhar. You've seemed to, uh, at least in the mock drafts that I've seen, gravitate towards Alex Collins uh, in various draft Love formats. Love him. Um, you know, you got him in RB twenty eight seventh round. Seventh round. He so was my early, fourth running early back. seventh uh, round for you. So, what is it about that price range that you know you seem to see Alex Collins there and you say, you know what, I like him there. Well, I mean, Alex Collins uh, was just outside of a top twenty back in both standard and PPR last year, and he didn't even really earn the starting job until week four or five. That's right. He was very clearly the the best running back that the Ravens had on their roster. You would watch those games. There was a marked difference when he was running the ball as opposed yep. to, like, Javorius Allen. I mean, give credit to his Irish jig dancing that became the favorite <laughs> right. broadcast story every That's time right. the Ravens were in primetime. But it seems like they're going into the season where he's going to be the guy. Uh, Buck Allen's going to get sprinkled in. And that Ravens offense could really be seeing a turnaround, whether or not they – you know, hopefully Joe Flacco is, is healthy enough to start. But if he's not, they actually have a backup now in Lamar Jackson, or Lamar Jackson could win out outright. But they improved the passing game options. Michael Crabtree, yep. John Brown, Willie Sneed. Yeah. Huge boost over what they had last year. So you look at an offense that as a whole should be better, have more scoring opportunities, and a featured back. Him and Lamar Miller I got in back-to-back rounds. Love both of those guys in middle rounds, if you, especially if you skew wide receiver early. We haven't talked about, you know, Harbaugh enough. But Harbaugh has done – an amazing job generating a run game from nothing. I mean, he lost two-fifths of his offensive line literally right before the season started. And Danny Woodhead in week one. And Danny Woodhead in week one. was supposed to be a big part of that offense. I mean, the the job that he's able to do in generating a run, regardless, it doesn't matter the personnel, uh, the player, it, it just, he is able to do that. And that is another reason why I love that Alex Collins pick. If he ends up being that feature back uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, you know Coach Harbaugh is going to find a way to get him yards. They're going to find he a way to get He was just shy him. of 1,000 yards on the ground last year, too. That's pretty good, man. That's pretty good. Again, for not starting and being in an offense with yeah. uh, you know, a kind of injury-riddled quarterback with a lackluster injury? passing. Uh, and their tight 20, ends. 29th in passing. Their, their tight ends got decimated last year. No by tight ends. There was Two-fifths of their offensive line gone. I mean, it's just – I mean, I I am I've been very impressed, but I was extremely impressed by what Coach Harbaugh did uh, in Baltimore last year, especially given that run game. I mean, you know they're not going to pass. I mean, you, you you know they're not going to pass, and Alex Collins still out here doing work. So I, I don't know, man. I I, I kind of I like not only do I like the pick, 
I love that. I'll tell you one of my picks that I loved the most, and I know you're going to get excited by yes, this. please. Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones, baby. Got him in the fifth round, start of the fifth round, uh, wide receiver 23 overall. I think Marvin Jones is being just completely overlooked right now, or he's at least at his ADP, one of the, I feel like, the safest picks okay. for their current ADP in drafts. I mean, he was like a top 20, I forget where he finished specifically, wide receiver last year. Oh, yeah. On just 107 targets. Went oh, for yeah. 1,100 yards, nine oh, touchdowns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lions have historically been one of the highest, like, uh, volume passing offenses in the league. Eric Ebron's gone, so that's going to free up a bunch of targets. They didn't They didn't address tight end after that. So. Dominated air yards. So he dominated air yards. I mean, Kenny Galladay could figure into the mix more. But, I like, Marvin Jones, lock him up for, like, 1,000-plus yards and, like, Seven to nine touchdowns again, probably with a ceiling for more. That's like, would it would it shock you no, it if at the end of the year Marvin Jones was looking at like a thirteen hundred and ten season? No, no, it wouldn't. I I think the specter of Kenny Galladay worries some people. Right, certainly. exactly, and especially guys like us who uh, track players like Kenny Galladay. You know what I mean? In I think in regular drafts, no one's gonna think about Kenny Galladay and how it might impact Marvin Jones. But you get ten people in one room where. Uh, all you do is think about fantasy football. The specter of Kenny Galladay, I think, worries some folks in terms of the upside for, for Marvin Jones. Golden Tate might have hurt that case a little bit uh, this week when he said that Kenny Galladay, and this would be the thing that would scare people, Okay. say a he is a one-receiver type of guy. That was what Golden Tate said. A one-receiver type of guy, uh, meaning he was going to be the number one? I. I don't know. <laughs> is that what Golden Tate meant? Or could he have meant something like, you know, Kenny's a nice guy? Or was Golden Tate saying, hey, hey. Kenny Galladay is our one receiver, mm. and we're all getting in line because this guy, he mows the grass. Yeah. He brings home food. <laughs> it's a little interesting for somebody like Golden Tate who just consumes so many targets to, to say something like that, but hey. Yeah, I mean, Golden Tate had 120 targets last year. He could be lashing out at the idea of a one receiver and how society's never really said that Golden Tate fits that mold. Okay. <laughs> maybe maybe that's what Golden that Tate was saying. Maybe. Or – We don't know. Or he's saying Kenny Galladay is really good and right. we should be worried right. about Marvin Jones' targets. That's interesting. I, you know, again, I, and again, we, we've talked about it on this podcast ad nauseum, but targets is certainly a great predictor of fantasy success. But air yards is also equally important – if you look at the data, uh, if you look at the numbers. Uh, look at them. Look at them, baby. They're right there. They're right there. Just look at them. They're numbers. Just look at them, please. No, but uh, <laughs> the correlation between air yards and fantasy success, also uh, there's a strong tie there as well. So you want to look at targets and air yards. That's why we bring up air yards regarding Kenny Galladay and regarding Marvin Jones. If Marvin Jones sees and dominates the air yards like he did last year, that's why he is a top 15 wide receiver. I think there's space for all of them to succeed, too, to Galladay. I kind of agree with that. Sleeper status. They I ran, kind of agree with that. They ran 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end, three wideouts on under, just under 73% of their plays last right. year. That's that's a lot. It's a lot of opportunities for those guys to go out, get get routes, get their air yards. Sure. And uh, with Eric Ebron, I was just pulling it up, had 86 targets last year. It's a ton. They don't really have a tight end that's going to step in and eat into that load. No. So that could – you know, Galladay had – Forty-eight last year. You could just flip those roles. So New Gall coaching staff too. We, we're not. Well, they still have. Sure. They still have JBC though. Jim Bob Cooter. That's true. Still running the offense. Yeah, so that's, that's going to be consistent. Uh, so they, there could certainly be a case where all three of those guys push for like a hundred looks. I I wouldn't hate it, man. You know, I wouldn't hate that. It, it's a it's a, it's an intriguing you know wide receiver core certainly. 
uh, there in Detroit. Um, another note is that Mike Evans and A.J. Green, they're really, I don't want to say they're falling, but I think a lot of folks might be surprised. I, I've at least gotten some questions as to the value for Mike Evans and A.J. Green. Like, oh, why are they falling so far? Because uh, in industry mocks that we've done, they're no higher than a mid-second round pick. No higher. And even in our uh, 10-team you know, mock, they're going late second, and they went back-to-back -back, uh, in the later part of that second round. And I, don't, I guess I don't know how to explain it other than their target share and their offenses in general, I think there's a lot of question marks. Not for Green. I think for Evans, sure, they've got a lot more. Well, A.J. Green more fits more into the we don't know what the hell we're going to see offensively. We know A.J. Green's going to get a lot of targets. He's going to get a target. I mean, last year, the He's Duke, get the all Duke the was a top 10 wide receiver last year, and it was like a considered a quiet year for him oh, that for he sure. posted 75, 1,008. Like, that's that's a good year for a wide receiver. Sure. And you think to the earlier parts of his career, like that echelon that he could easily get back to where we're talking 98, 1,411. Can he get there, though, I given this offense? I think he absolutely can. They've addressed the offensive line. They drafted a new center. They traded for Cordy Glenn. Yeah. Uh, they John Ross reports are that he's actually going to be Stop on the it. football field this Stop year. Stop it. Which is good news. I mean, all he has, <laughs> to, do helps. Is, all he has to do is get on the field, James. Get on the field, baby. Just, uh, just be there. So they've got – now they – don't forget, too, they switched coordinators uh, after week two last year. Yeah. So they oh, the whole offseason and the whole install was kind of like <laughs> – Right. Just thrown up and thrown up in arms. They had a bad offensive line. I think everything went everything went south for them. But Green is still an elite talent. I I have him a, a tier above in my fantasy rankings. Mike Evans. I still firmly put Green. I think he's an early second, maybe even a deeper league PPR first round pick. So you would rather have AJ Green than Mike Evans? Hundred out of hundred times. Wow. Wow. Interesting. I think that would surprise some folks. Well, you look at also the touchdown you, upside. I think for Mike Evans is is pretty high. I mean, AJ Green's had double digit touchdowns three times in his seven year career, and that includes two years where he didn't finish the full season because of injuries. Uh, you also look at the the offensive makeup of those guys. Like uh, AJ Green is is the guy in his offense. Yeah. Mike Evans has two great tight ends he has to compete with as well. AJ Green has a good tight end, but we don't know his we don't know his health. They've got uh, Deshaun Jackson. They've got Chris Godwin pushing for looks. Like right now. A lot of these other guys outside of A.J. Green are more theoretical in our minds. Yeah. Like we'd love John Ross to see him on the field. We'd love a healthy Tyler Eifert again. Tyler Eifert's played like 12 games out of the past 48 he could have played. Yeah, I, I, I don't know even know. I mean, I, I've seen some people say, oh, I'm excited about Tyler Eifert. It's like, come on, guys. You look at that and like Mike Evans. Forget it. Mike he's Evans, not, not going to play. I mean, his best he's injured year, already. His best fantasy year came when he like, led the league in targets at one of his best years. But he hasn't come close to that recently. And I, don't, and I don't know that he will again, given that there's so many options in that offense. I just think, I think part of it is the Bengals were so bad. Uh, last year, in which terms is of why we're overlooking how good of yeah. a year that AJ Green had. All right, all right. I, I don't, I don't, I don't hate the the idea behind it. Um, I, I, I do think though that that would surprise some folks because a lot of folks really, really like Mike Evans, man. So, um, it's interesting. I think Mike Mike Evans is a fantastic football player too. I just worry when we're talking about fantasy where you need right. that volume and that portion of the offense. Mm -hmm. uh, AJ Green's. Uh, AJ Green's the clear winner for me. Um, I look at your team, Alex Gelhar. I absolutely loved it. Uh, you just basically took guys that fell to you, man. Yeah, it worked out well. Uh, what no, what pick were you? I you was were the, third. The, the third pick. All right, so you were the third pick. You, you fell into Todd Gurley. You got Devontae Adams in the second round, almost, late second. Almost took AJ Green over him. I was oh, is that right? I was looking at both of those guys long and hard, but I decided on Adams. Hey, 
Got to be a little bit of a homer. Yeah, you know, you're the Green Bay guy. Hey, come on. Uh, you took Christian McCaffrey, Allen Robinson, Lamar Miller. So your running backs right now look like Todd Gurley, Christian McCaffrey, Lamar Miller. Your wide receivers, uh, Devontae Adams and Allen Robinson. Uh, you've got and Alex. Marv. Marv oh, Jones. and Marvin Jones. Um, and you've got Alex Collins there for depth. You've got Greg Olson at tight end. Kirk Cousins as your wide receiver. You got as Paul my, Richardson. As my quarterback. As your, oh, I'm sorry. As your, as He's your versatile. quarterback. Yeah. Uh, they're moving him all over the formation. You didn't know? Uh, no, and Paul Richardson it's as like a major Flacco. sleeper. <laughs> 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 That's exactly right. I think you killed this draft. Thank I think you, you absolutely Thank you. killed this draft. You have got no holes, uh, and you've got great depth and great upside uh, at pretty much every position group as well. I, I feel good absolutely about it. killed uh, this draft. Um, in regards to Marcus Grant's team, who's not here, but we'll still rep his team a little bit, uh, he took Nuke and Julio off the top. He had Jordan Howard in the third round as his RB1 in a PPR. I don't know. Uh, I think the, I've, I've talked on this podcast before, I think, and I was tweeting a lot about it. I think people are overthinking Jordan Howard. They're really overthinking it. Good player. Great player. Touchdown upside. Offense should be a lot better. Sure. Have more scoring upside. I mean, he was like the RB10 or 11 in PPR last year. Like, who, he has maybe he has skillets for hands. Doesn't matter if he gets in the end zone nine times a year. And he could use them as weapons. <laughs> he could use those skillets as weapons. That's a good point. That's a very good Great. point. Helps blocking when you got two skillets. Yeah. Skillets. And it makes a sound. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's got Darius Geis and Tevin Coleman as his other running backs. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is his uh, quarterback. Uh, in regards to my team, I will say this. Um, so off the top, I had Odell and Michael Thomas. Like I said, uh, love those picks. I, I reached for Deshaun Watson in the third round. I don't know why the hell I did that because eh, what the hell. Because you figured Adam Rank was going to take him in two picks if you didn't. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. I probably should have just waited for Aaron Rodgers who went like five rounds later or something. But he went all three days. rounds later. So crazy. Uh, yes, I reached for Deshaun Watson. I felt like I reached for a Jay Ajayi as well. First I don't pick. think so. First pick in the fourth round, so we're talking the 31st overall pick. There was pick. news this morning. Doug Peterson said they're going into camp, and Jay Ajayi is going to be the guy. And we had talked about this. I've been banging the table for Jay Ajayi all, all offseason. Who else is it going to possibly I think be? I think his ADP is starting to climb to I a agree. much more reasonable spot. Yeah. Like, I mean, when we started doing these mocks a month or two ago, he was going in, like, the seventh, eighth round. And now fourth, maybe even third makes a lot of sense. And I think I think also people are starting to catch up to the offseason news. They're like, yeah. oh, LeGarrette Blunt's not there? Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Yeah, we, we like Jay Giant. And it's great to have Darren Sproles back, but the dude's like 34, and he had right. two major injuries major. last year. Right. That's like, I'm rooting for him. I've loved watching Darren Sproles for the last, like, God, how long has Darren Sproles been in the league now? Like, tw 12 years? I love it. Yeah, it's, it's, I remember, uh, I remember him playing Troy when I was in school at Oof. college. Is that right? <laughs> Troy K State. <laughs> so, like, the entire, most of my and those, adult and life. those little legs just, just, just churning up the field. That's crazy. Oh, God. He's so ripping great. people apart. He's been doing it forever. But, like, let, let's be real. He's probably not going to come into a massive workload. And yeah. Corey Clement will be great as the change of pace guy, but it would make sense that Jay Ajayi, an actual proven workhorse, let's not forget like two years ago he had 1,200 yards That's and right. like eight touchdowns or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But still, then he needed, still in a great offense. But he needed he needed an attitude adjustment. He needed guys. to learn his lesson by so, getting traded to, to the, the Super Bowl. Bowl which <laughs> so now he's better. <laughs> lesson learned, baby. Uh, but no, I, I, I think I found value in Marshawn Lynch, who I took super, super late. What I agree. I had highlighted him. You got him as the RB36. Um, I think in PPR, Marshawn falls. Yeah, a little more for sure. Um, in the some of the standard mocks I've done, uh, he's gone a little higher because people are worried about his uh, like reception workload. But 
I was looking back at this. In Gruden's last three years as a head coach for the Buccaneers, yeah. uh, in 08, he gave Warren Dunn, Warwick Dunn excuse me, 12% of the uh, passing game targets. In 2007, Michael Pittman had 8%. But in Michael 2006, Pittman. I know, right? Yeah. Flashback. Yeah. Uh, Hell P- yeah. Pittman had 14%. So some guns. He has, he has thrown uh, plenty of passes to his backs. And actually, over that same span, uh, just over 28% of the total team targets in that three-year span went to running backs and fullbacks. It's not bad. Now – that was split up among 12 players, so it wasn't like <laughs> I got you. a clear guy there. However, you know, if if he's feeding Marshawn or it's Marshawn and Doug, there's certainly a reasonable, like, you know, you could reasonably assume they might get, he might get like 30 receptions or something, which, not bad. No, I agree. I Especially mean, for a running back you late. took in the ninth round. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, and I and I still think his ADP is too low. Um, and and I'll happily take him in in most of my drafts. I think I, I you know I might I may reach for him just because I love Marshawn as a, as a player. <laughs> but um, you know the whole Cal connection thing and blah blah blah. But I mean, look, the bottom line is back half of last season he was great. He was one of the best running backs in the league. Yep. Period. <laughs> you know, it's almost like the guy who came out of retirement needed a few weeks to get I, his as body crazy adjusted as that is. to the, the physical rigor of the NFL. <laughs> that's a that's a theory. It is a theory. <laughs> it, it, it would seem that that would be a pretty right. Uh, he had to go get that ladder, valid. get the cleats off the power power that, line, that's and right. that's get back exactly into shape. Right. That's exactly right. Uh, two sleepers that I I liked uh, in my draft as well: DJ Moore in Carolina, the rookie running or rookie wide receiver rather. I, I almost said running back because I tell you what, once he gets that ball in his hands, he looks like a running back actually. Um, and Tyler Lockett, uh, who we have highlighted in love this, Tyler uh, Lockett podcast Talked about as him well. Bunch. Yeah, I mean he's just a clear cut number two wide receiver there. Um, in Seattle, Paul Richardson's gone, uh, and I know he wasn't a huge factor, but you know. Uh, He's there, you know what I mean? And, and Tyler Lockett looks to slide in and assume most of that work. So um, I really like Tyler Lockett as a deep sleeper, and you've highlighted him too Yeah, uh, uh, in, in your written piece. I think two more guys I'd like to point out that yeah. I know that we've talked about a lot are actually on the Jets. Uh, okay. Robbie Anderson, Fabs took him the wide receiver 51 in the 12th round right Some now. So my do not draft list. Most Robbie Anderson, why? Yeah, because we don't know what his what we don't know what his uh situation I thought those be in terms of league didn't penalty. Patrick our, our news hound over here didn't like his charges get dismissed and stuff. Uh, the the, traf- the, the traffic violation right. was was thrown out completely. Um I'm was there something else though? The the felony por- portion got uh got thrown out, but they're still legal charges pending. Well, so right now, as it stands, no suspension or anything. Yeah. Wide receiver 51 for Robbie Anderson. Fantastic value. Yeah. And then, by the same token, Isaiah Crowell. Dylan grabbed him in the eighth round as the RB35. Yeah. Probably not as much upside in PPR as in standard, but uh, they gave him a decent contract. And they also, right now, like... 100% agree. Their backfield doesn't have, like, a anybody really to truly compete with him for close to a featured workload. Elijah like, McGuire is going to fi- figure he'll in. He'll get some change of pace work, change of and pace Bilal work, yeah. Powell's still going to be there, yeah. and he'll get some passing game work and some carries as well. And I think but, that's kind of where people kind of worry about Right, but as, as we were talking about earlier, it would not shock me at all if Isaiah Crowell came in and saw – 55 to 65 percent of that entire backfield in the jet and the Jets offense which could be a, a decent offense they're not going to set the world on fire but if the Jets finished middle of the pack in a lot of offensive categories would it totally shock us no so I think I think that was really good value for yeah. Dylan to get uh 
uh, Isaiah Crowell there that I'm, late? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn here, but I'm, I will assume that there will be a mock draft write-up. Oh, yeah. I'm work, I've been working on it, and once we get the whole thing concluded, we'll post it on .com, hopefully in the next day or so. Hey, Boom. NFL.com slash Gelhar if you want that write-up in the next day or two. We're taping it on a Wednesday. Look for it on Thursday, Friday. So there you go. All right. Let's close out your show with a round of Daily Daps. Daps, 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 daps. Now we're talking no, about no. dog bites and <laughs> dipping. Daps, 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 daps. You know, if you like creepy rabbits, uh, this movie's for you. What a degenerate are you? Godzilla is down there. This is why I love this group of guys that were like, ah, whirlwind, there it goes, boom. This is the first Daily Dab section for Patrick Clay. Yes! I'm excited. Bait it, Ma. Top of the world. I'm excited. Uh. I'm just soaking this in right now. That's good. Yeah. That's good. This is good. Uh, we'll start with uh, the whiz kid from Wisconsin, Alex Gelhar. What you got? Uh, I'm going to daily dab just in general the World Cup, obviously. It's been so fun. It's been so fun. <laughs> like, the, the stories. It's been so fun, the man. The stories, the upsets, the goals, the quality of play, the oh gaps. We've had, like, four own goals already, like, which is heartbreaking for some of those teams and players. But, like, it's just it's just fantastic, and it's such a fun competition that only comes up every four years and you great. get some of the best players in the world on on the huge stage it's been a lot of fun i love seeing the uh, the crowd react shots to yes. around the world yes oh my god they're the best i mean it's it's like sad college fans on like college football fans on saturdays you know when you guys get getting doing like the cobra arms <laughs> where they put their hands on their head <laughs> right. but you just get it on a much bigger level and a lot of people are in costume too oh and stuff God. so it's 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 a lot it's of fun special. And, and we get more of the exuberation side than we do the surrender code yes yes right? and it's it's good tv it's like catnip right it, you see happy people that too 100 it, it's just like it doesn't necessarily matter like i i, I might have watched five seconds of hockey all year but i watched the last few minutes of the final game yeah just to see people happy 100%. It's, it's just a great feeling even though it's like putin's homeboys <laughs> thing, I, I was still i still enjoyed watching it right putin's uh and no you're right because both both on the player level because scoring a goal for your country you in kidding? the world cup like they lose their minds like it's it's the thing you dream about as a kid playing the sport like it's not only you know like scoring a goal is incredibly hard in general in soccer but then you go and score it for your country on the world stage, on the against, stage. against another country's 11 best players. Love like, it. it's it's Love insane. It. Uh, so, Daily Daps to the World Cup in general, oh, and then uh, fun, Daily Daps to Hereditary. Hereditary. It's an indie horror movie that came out uh, recently this past week. I think okay. Tony, Tony Collette, Gabriel Byrne is in it. Um, it's very good. Theaters it's or Netflix? Theaters, okay. in theaters. It's it's creepy, okay. uh, and it'll, it'll probably make you uncomfortable uh, <laughs> at a lot of points, but... I, I really enjoyed it. I'm a big fan of horror, and it was good to get a, a nice slow burn because it's not it – was, it was, a lot of horror movies put the emphasis on the horror and the silly jump scares and stuff like that. Yeah. But this was much more on the family dynamics as stuff was kind of unfolding around okay. them. And uh, I don't want to say anything to spoil anything, but yes. it was very good, so go check it Close out. Close to too scary. Is, is it too scary? <laughs> I don't think it's too scary. <laughs> it does. It's a much better job of, in the first chunk, just building up suspense okay. and tension Ooh. and drama. Yeah. So there's not like a lot of things that happen that you're like, bah, where you jump out of your seat, but you just get unsettled and right. stuff happens like i i yelled a lot of expletives in the theater just because i was like not like i was shocked scared but it was more just like what the yeah <laughs> like stuff was happening so That's great. it was good in that regard and then as a very very exhilarating conclusion as well patrick claybon oh pop well, the top on this bad boy i would be remiss what you got if i came here on uh, this esteemed podcast yes and did not assign a daily dap to a place that has meant a lot to me. It's a place where I have 
found friends. It is a place where I met my wife. Okay. It is a place where I build relationships, and that is Twitter.com. <laughs> <laughs> and what? this week, oh. uh, Twitter, uh, myself, and, and so many people <laughs> in, in our industry participated in an absolute roasting of Edward Werner. Oh, and my God. I loved every second of it. <laughs> so, it was it was wow. I mean, the roasting was so extreme that he was at one point the number four trending topic in America. <laughs> that is amazing. A man getting ro- dragged on Twitter.com was the fourth most talked about. Just, just a barbecue. And, and then and I, then there was like that. there were ancillary barbecues as well. Yeah. You know the the the, the Twitter fights that like branched off from the main Twitter. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. There was, there was a lot going on. And, and it was just good. It, it was good to see a yeah. bunch of good, decent people uh, highlighting something that's been a problem in our society since our society in general. Yeah. And since so, humanity has existed. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> literally, literally the very start. So uh, that that was good. Uh, that good, gets, gets my daily dap. Yeah. Uh, and secondarily, uh, another thing that's special to me, that last – the last two sips of smoothie um, <laughs> okay. are – they they just they're get, special. They, they're they're not just special because I get sad because I'm thirsty right now and yes. I want a smoothie and yeah. so I'm Making doing me that want to, to okay. you guys and, okay. and everybody listening. But I get sad when the smoothie's almost done. And so you know it's so funny. I I think the last couple sips of the smoothie are not good because sometimes they're grainy. Well, you just haven't been drinking your smoothie fast enough. You, you got to get. <laughs> see, I, I'm with you. I, I, I that's my trouble with smoothies. I, see. I down I see. those. Yeah, you, you, I just, see. you crush it. You get brain freeze. I get you. And you're like, oh, oh, this is this is almost done. I'm okay. gonna have to do that thing where I'm yeah, like yeah. searching around like yeah. I'm Tyrone yeah, Biggums. Like, hey, I want some smoothie. You know. <laughs> but like, Biggums. so before that point, there's this that that smooth like, mm, mm. oh, I'm I'm having this. It's about to be gone. Okay. So yeah. Uh, I'm yep. dapping. I'm dapping you guys. I like it. Everybody that, that listens to this that puts fruit in a blender uh, yeah. and serves it to to a, a suspecting person uh, like me. Just, uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I was gonna say the last couple bites of a burrito are always special because all of the all of the the, the uh, juices have flown down. See, by the same token, though, lots of times if they how they wrap it, you can get way more tortilla in too that much bottom of on the it. bottom. Yeah. Also, if you go with, we're getting way off the rails here, but if you <laughs> the daily depths, it always happens. You know, if you get that greasy carne asada, you know what I'm saying? Then it's too oily on the bottom. Yeah. Then it gets a little troublesome. But if it's a well-made, good yes. burrito, the last couple bites of a burrito. Fantastic. Uh, special. Yeah, you, you get the bits of the fat and the cheese oh and the tortilla kind oh, of on. melding together. It's, to all, it's all melted it's together. It's this one thing. And I'm like, am I eating cheese? Is this tortilla? What is this? It's just delicious. That's why it's like, well, we're talking about the last bits of something. Yeah. The last part of a root beer float. Is oh, like the best yes. Because you get... Yeah. The yes. ice cream and root beer have almost just become one. It, that's exactly and right. And it's got the perfect consistency and, and you're the perfect looking, flavors, and you're just like, why was this not the entire thing? Thank you. You're looking for that marriage the entire time. Which you can get. You blend them together. Uh, the restaurant I used to work at when oh, I was yeah. in high school called it a black cow. Okay. Oh, a, a black cow. And there was orange cows, too, if you did it with orange soda. And I see ice what you're saying. So, yeah, cows. in this conversation, like uh, I'm literally going to the dentist after <laughs> we leave here. <laughs> That's uh, probably because good. I don't have a single tooth that doesn't have a filling in it. Okay. And uh, it, yeah, <laughs> and that that's, sounds that's incredible. That's why. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. And I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> have a root beer float today, despite the fact now. that I have a tooth with an I want actual. I one now. I think we might be going to the bar after work, but I'm gonna be like, can you make me a root beer float? Do you have ice cream? And I'm be like, no, this is a bar. <laughs> well, I brought this ice cream in here. <laughs> like, Joe good. Faye. Give me a root beer. There you go. Oh, I'll stop at 7-Eleven on the way and I just get a small pint of vanilla and be like, give me a root beer. <laughs> wow. Be like, um, this is, we need to get Patrick Claybon back on the on Yes, the we should. For, for, just for this reason. I'm so glad I saw on Slack <clears throat> that you were like, 
free and didn't yeah, have anything to do. And we're, we're debating going to the end of the summer. I was like, don't do that. <laughs> Come on the podcast. Yeah, I, I, got, I got a couple hours to kill before Atta, I baby. get a drill in my mouth. Oh. Okay, uh, I will uh, daily dap uh, a fellow by the name of Patrick Laird. He is a running back for the University of California at Berkeley. Uh, not for the reason you think it's going to be um, because he's a fellow Cal Bear, but uh, he is started a summer initiative uh, with Berkeley uh, and the football team, but he's got something called the Summer Reading Challenge. Ooh, I like it. Uh, and he is going around to various elementary schools and encouraging the students there to read during the summer break. Uh, he calls it, I think, like uh, I think like learning loss or something. You know, basically, you veg out during the summers. Um, but p- if you pick up a book, you know, a lot of the the things that you've the, the basic stuff that you've learned throughout the, the school year, uh, you retain it a lot better. Um, and so what he's doing is going he's going around to various schools and encouraging uh, the students there to read. It's the summer reading challenge. That's awesome. Um, it, he's and he's telling and he's working with Cal football where if you read, I think, something like four books this summer, you can then uh, they give you a journal and, you know, you you do your little book reports on them or whatever it might be. Uh, you could turn that journal in for four tickets to Cal's opener against North Carolina. Nice. Ooh. That's not bad. That's a great idea. That's not bad. More people need to read. You know what I'm saying? Books, um, books are great, folks. And, and, this is, uh, and this is Patrick Laird's thing. Uh, when he scores a touchdown, he's a walk-on, and he's a great story. If you, if you, you, know, you want to read up a little bit about Patrick Laird's backstory, he's a great story. He's a walk-on at Cal. Um, and when he scores a touchdown, his touchdown celebration is to – open a an imaginary book and read it that's awesome <laughs> um and it, it, it's the most berkeley thing ever you i'm gonna have to I'm make saying? sure i watch some more uh some more cal games this year i love this kid uh patrick laird uh and not only for his you know things on the football field but uh, but also obviously his interests off of it as well so daily daps to patrick laird if you want to know more uh, about this program, uh, I think you can just look at a Patrick Laird and uh, the Summer Reading Challenge. So there you go. Producer Christina, close us out. What you got? Uh, what's up? I have two. Yes. Uh, daily dap to my family. We yeah. just got back the from fans. vacation. Yeah, that's right. So. Your big trip. Oh, yeah, that was right. awesome. A week that's in the right. sun. So, yeah, it was great to get everybody together, go on vacation for and a while. And how many family members was it again? Uh, I think we got, like, close to 20 of us. <laughs> so, yeah. I that mean, it is was quite the family My vacation. grandparents' last big hurrah. That's so awesome, man. They figured, you know, how many other trips are we going to get? So we got everybody. Um, and then Daily Dap to our good friend Sully. It was his okay. birthday yesterday. Yes. Um, although is he, he alive? Yes. Okay, good. Oh, yes. There we, go. we went to trivia last yeah. night. I don't know how he's feeling today. I can Probably give, give an not update later. Good. I would assume not too great. Right. But although he dissed if my Kentucky know. Wildcats last <laughs> week. He did. <laughs> Immediately. Happy birthday to Sully. <laughs> Immediately. It's like it's almost like he knew g- producer Christine is not going to survive more than five minutes of this podcast. Let me just get it out in the first 30 seconds. Exactly. That's what he did. Legitimately, you were like, and we go to Sully behind the glass. What's up, pal? He's like. Bing. But Wildcats <laughs> right away. <laughs> See, here's uh, Sully is he's got to hope things get turned around because we're at Tennessee. Yeah, oh. I mean this it's it's 2018, man. You can't be trying to dunk on people ab- about SEC athletics well, as a Vol fan during <laughs> the last 15 years. Listen, come on. As I said then uh, last week, oh, to Sully, man. it is always the year of the ball. It is, and his oh, dunk, always. his dunk specifically was on for basketball because. 
the Tennessee basketball, touch my basketball team is supposed team. to be pretty good this year. Yeah, I guess. no, no, no. Don't believe. Literally, me. that's that's all he can hang his hat on. Yeah, no, like he hypotheticals <laughs> about so, like let it go. I, I mean, anybody out there, if you're a fan of if you're a fan of anybody <laughs> or anything, <laughs> just I mean, because college athletics, yeah. God love it. You know what I'm talking 100%. about, James. Alex, you know what I'm. Th- we we. You guys have been having the same arguments and making the same dunks on people for 50 years. <laughs> like, let some of that stuff go. <laughs> Which reminds me, I forget oh, if we were adapted, yeah. but Spencer Hall did a great breakdown of the the rank, like ranking or assigning uh, pie charts okay. to the best college football rivalries. You remember this piece came I out like a few weeks ago? That was a wildly entertaining read. College football rivalries? Yes, the college football rivalries. Okay. Like, ranking them and then based on history – Current passion, current like setup of the rivalry. So, like, you're from the great state of Alabama. Correct, right? Mundo. Okay. And then you are very uh, familiar, very close. Yeah, and, and and my my connection to college football rivalries is both. Well, this is a, a good thing that brings attention, and it's also some fans are insufferable and they're just not good people, <laughs> and they hurt the, they hurt the conversations around yes. sports. What is the with their insufferable bad people in stuff. the state of Alabama? I've always wondered this. In the actual state of Alabama, what is the bigger rivalry, the Iron Bowl, so against Auburn or or Georgia? No, it's the the Iron Bowl is the is the biggest rivalry, and people will argue they'll they'll argue about the state of the rivalry. But it's always Alabama no, no, but that's and Auburn what I'm fans having that argument. The, the reason I wonder, too, is because the, the, it hasn't really been a great rivalry as of late and seems to have lost a little steam. But well, the, there was a stretch. It seems like they get up for Georgia, though, man. Well, and it's the rarity of, of Bama-Georgia games. And, and Auburn-Georgia, obviously, they play every single year. Yeah. But you, you, you go to school with people. Yeah. You, you grow up with people. You live across the street from people. You look at those colors I all get the you. time. I get you. And it's the it's the same bad fan stuff. <laughs> and it's like the tribalism. Like really, yeah, it's just, what it becomes. just Bears fans, you know, being like, ah, Brian Urlacher got you that one time. It's like, dog, that was 2004. <laughs> like, what are we doing? That was two presidential administrations ago. Go away. Oh, that's great. Update your roasts. I don't know why. <laughs> Update your roasts. Uh, we went down this road, but I love it. And it's we're going to get Patrick it's, Claybon. It's Sully's fault. Blame back Sully. Back on the podcast again for Patrick Claybon, Alex Gelhar, and producer Christina. I'm James Cole. We'll catch you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And? Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. 
So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.